Hey guys, welcome back to 30 Something with Sunny. I am so excited about today's episode. I've been talking on and off with our guest um, on Instagram and on email for a little while now. Um, she initially reached out and we decided that it would be so amazing to talk because Dr. Brooke Stewart is a holistic doctor who is addressing all of the issues that we 30-something women are facing. Gosh, I make us sound old when I say it like that. Like, we 30-something women. <laughs> anyway, um, I brought her on to talk about so many things that are just very common in this stage of, of our lives. We talk about autoimmune issues. We talk about why the heck everyone and their sister seems to have a thyroid issue. We talk about anxiety and how that's impacted by our hormones. We talk about supplements, whether or not they're worth it. We talk about, oh my gosh, the things you need to be taking right after you have a baby to help, you know, boost your nutrition and your health. Um, and it was just so, so enlightening. Um, Dr. Brooke Stewart, as I said, a holistic doctor. She's been in practice for several years here in the Orlando area. She works not only with common people like you and me, but also professional athletes to help them perform at their best, both physically and mentally. She deals a lot with um, patients who have issues with stress, anxiety, or depression. And we talk all about how that mental state is so um, intrinsically related to your physical health. What I love about Dr. Dr. Stewart's approach is that it's, as it's described, a very holistic look at how you live your life. So when you go to a doctor like her or to Dr. Stewart, you're getting someone who is looking at your overall health profile. It's not just, you know, a a prescription for something that's dealing with just one issue. I personally believe this is the way that healthcare is going to be trending from here on out. I think gone are the days when we go to the doctor, we get a prescription or we get a diagnosis and we throw our hands up in the air and walk away and say, oh, well, that kind of sucks. Um, people are taking control of their health these days because they realize there are options and there are options with their diets, there are uh, uh, options with their lifestyle, their supplements. There are so many things that we can do to change the course of our health. So that's why I just absolutely loved talking with um, Dr. Brooke Stewart. She is a wealth of information. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. You will notice during the course of the episode, we get into very specific um, information about certain products and things that she likes. So don't worry, I will in the show notes detail all of that, uh, that information for you and I'll link you to it so you can check it out for yourself because what good is advice if we're not getting specific, right? So. I have that whole list for you under the podcast section of my website, sunnyabata.com. Check it out. Um, but let's get to it. Again, this is Holistic Doctor, Dr. Brooke Stewart. Brooke, thank you so much for coming in. Should I call you Dr. Stewart? I'm just like Brooke. being very I informal. Brooke. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so we have been chatting a little bit online already, and I'm so glad we connected because uh, the whole point of this uh, of, of this podcast is to bring useful and good information to women in their 30s. It's a really unique stage of life when a lot of things are changing and crazy. So I want to lead off today by asking you from a medical perspective, what is the biggest health issue that women in their 30s face? You know, I think it depends what's coming up and what stage of life people are in, because of course there's phases. There's women who are single, who, you know, may have a desire to be in a relationship but aren't yet. So that can bring a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, just depending on what's coming up for them. Um, a lot of times, actually, there's a really interesting overlap between anxiety and depression, and usually people can flip flop. And about 50% of people diagnosed with anxiety also have been diagnosed with depression. So it's a really kind of interesting overlap. And I have a theory behind that that maybe we can get in Yeah, later. we'll definitely be getting into that. Okay. But that, you know, can obviously, it can bring about an urgency, right? Just depending. Um, some people can be in a stage where, you know, they 
think that they should be somewhere other than where they are. Other people have families and they have children and maybe they feel like they have everything they've ever dreamed of but still feel unhappy and unfulfilled. And so that can bring kind of like a lethargy, a lack of energy and depression. Other people could have, you know, just come out of a pregnancy, be struggling with, you know, postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression, just Mm -hmm. depending on how their bodies or systems are re-regulating. So, so many issues can come up in this stage. But one of the most interesting things I find is that if people haven't, you know, really looked at health at this stage of their life, the 30s is a really interesting decade where things can begin to express themselves. So maybe we can, you know, get away with it in our 20s when we're a little bit younger and we've made less of those quote unquote choices that don't work or those toxic choices. (laughs) Bad choices. So many bad bad choices. choices. (laughs) But at some point, you know, at some point, um, those begin to express themselves in our vulnerabilities. So so, yeah, yeah. what do you see then in your 30s? Like what creeps out from the bad decisions that we've made? So I think anything can really come about, whether it's a lack of energy, fibromyalgia, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, going into autoimmune diseases. I also think things like like anxiety, depression, bipolar, I mean, all kinds of things can come out just depending on that person's innate vulnerabilities, what they came in in terms of genetics, but also, you know, where the imbalances lie. So maybe they're not getting the nutrients they need in their diet. Um, You know, maybe their stress levels are through the roof and they don't have that community and connection. So there can be so many underlying factors right um but how uh how you know health is expressed within each person seems to be very different um depending and and you brought up an interesting issue you know we we i kind of use the 30s as a catch-all for a time when women are typically doing certain things they're having careers and or having families but you're right uh, we're all living totally different lives Mm -hmm. so i do want to dive into every single thing you said i want to talk about hormones we want to talk about um, autoimmune issues anxiety depression any other mood disorders. So I'm going to tick these off one by one. And I'm going to start with the one that I recently, because I selfishly have a doctor locked in a room at my disposal for the next Mm -hmm. hour. um, I want to talk about something that I feel like a lot of young moms and I have been discussing lately in our circles, which is anxiety. For me personally, it's manifested at a time when I stopped nursing and I know my hormone levels are just Mm -hmm. roller coastering. For other women, the anxiety is tied to just a generally hectic time of life. Um, What exactly is happening in our bodies when we are feeling that anxious sensation, like hormonally or, or or chemically, I guess is the word. What's happening in our bodies? Absolutely. So when we're talking about anxiety, it's really interesting. So in my practice, what I basically do is I take people through a case review process to identify the underlying root. So anxiety could be driven through a number of different things. And of course, hormonal is definitely a big piece of that puzzle. It could also be driven by blood sugar issues, all kinds of things. Now, when we're talking about hormones, I kind of see it in and you know this is something that may take a little bit more explanation but i kind of see it as on some level downstream so when it gets to that downstream place i'll most likely refer to an endocrinologist however there's a lot that we can look up upstream so for example if somebody is not sleeping properly or if somebody is not detoxing properly there's going to be a toxic overload and the liver plays a big role in hormones for example if somebody isn't getting the right nutrients in their diet and they have issues with digestion um, 
there's going to be, you know, a deficiency in terms of the raw material to build hormones in the body. So it really kind of depends on what is going on with that person. And in my practice in particular, I really look at things like, okay, how is this person managing stress, right? How is this person, you know, how are they feeling throughout the day in terms of energy? Like, are they waking up with energy? Do they feel resourceful throughout the afternoon? And are they able to fall asleep at night? Mm -hmm. Looking at things like, like lifestyle as well. So, so let's let's just give mm-hmm. you a for example. Say yep. you have a mom, young kids. This is like I said, just kind of a typical stage of life yep. thing. Um, who comes to you and says, you know, Doctor Stewart, I, um, it, it's it's a little bit of a lack of energy. It's just a general malaise. It's a feeling that you know I'm responding with more anger than normal mm-hmm. to my kids or to my partner or at the workplace. Yep. Um, where do you start with that? Give us specifics on what levels you're yep. looking at or what things you're testing to see what it is that's going on. Absolutely. So in my practice, like before I even engage in testing and I have a core like blood panel and I can definitely send you that information afterwards where we're looking at things like inflammatory markers, blood sugar, full thyroid panels. I saw your, um, your podcast with Dr. Mushtak and uh, she talked about thyroid panels. Mm -hmm. She talked about, you know, D3 looking, I I don't know if she touched on B vitamins, but I'll look at that. Definitely the uptake of like B12, like what those serum levels are. Those are things that are interesting and important things like cortisol and if they're off can it drastically like which one of those in in the list you just gave us would we notice um and sort of manifesting in the symptoms that i mentioned like is it a combination of everything being off or what what's the one that you really feel like is tied to that that anxiety issue so weirdly i look at more landscape stuff so i look at for example like mindset diet lifestyle okay like how can we take it back and see where the system is in a mismatch right mm-hmm. so i look at things like for example before we even go into testing and usually testing will just kind of confirm what we can already find out what the patient's already saying so if i have a woman coming in she has like severe mind migraines, severe anxiety, sometimes it leads to depression, insomnia, low energy levels. We, I kind of almost look at anxiety as, yes, something we want to resolve, but we can look at it from a number of different angles where it's it's the system is noisy. We need to reset it. We need to get a new baseline. So how can we do that? We have to rewire the stress response. We have to do things like, you know, learn to connect to our bodies in a different way, see these symptoms as more of messages of, okay, you know, what where is the imbalance? Maybe somebody is eating something that's causing severe inflammation that's creating an, a, like an autoimmune reaction, right? And it's causing a lot of noise in the system. So it expresses itself as more of like an anxiety, right? Like that tension and that like low kind of like noise where we can never quite get clear, calm and focused and like wind down. Mm-hmm. So there can be a lot of different factors, but the place that I always start is, so when a patient comes into my office, I basically take about 75 minutes and even before they come in, I have them fill out about an hour's worth of forms. And so I'm looking at, okay, what is going on within this person and their whole life experience and their, um, their system, meaning mind, body, heart, life, relationships, um, and physiological symptoms. And I'm looking for, okay, where are the vulnerabilities? Like where, how can we basically lessen the fallback point and help them to move forward in a way that's really realistic? And then 
after that first session, I basically take about two to four hours to review each, each case and then present an overarching treatment plan. And at that point, we partner together. And at that point, we may engage mm-hmm. in more testing to, if needed. But so often, there's so much that we can work with, like right off the bat, like whether they're not sleeping or whether they're not detoxing properly. When I talk about detox, I mean, if somebody isn't having regular bowel movements and they're not sweating, that raises a huge red flag for me. People that, don't sweat. There are people that just don't sweat at all in Florida. <laughs> Who right? are these people? Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Um, I have to ask you this. I have read some uh, stories lately. <laughs> this is you're going to laugh at me, <laughs> but Denise Richards, um, she was on the finale or like the wrap up show for Housewives this season, and someone noticed that the thyroid area was enlarged, and she came out and said um, something about a gluten intolerance impacting the health of the thyroid, which mm-hmm. just you know set the internet on fire. Um, when celebrities talk about these mm-hmm. things, we like to criticize them, but I I loved reading. I, in fact, yes. I did not know about that connection. I want to ask you: Is that a valid connection? And as someone with gluten sensitivities, should we be worried about our the health of our thyroid? A hundred percent. So really, so. How does that work? Like, how does gluten make it bad? So what I do with my patients, so one of the things, so it's such a process. And this is where, like, you know, if somebody, and I work side by side with specialists and with primary care physicians um, and people who are more, have more expertise in terms of, like, looking at more downstream things or more specialty items. My specialization really lies in the overarching landscape. So what I do is bring my patients through a process where we're exercising their power of choice and beginning to clear the slate so we can understand symptoms. So what I do with my patients is I'll give them like an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. Usually exactly what that looks like for my patient population, especially women in their 30s. So often anxiety, thyroid issues, gut health, all of that is like one constellation. Um, And so what we want to do is identify the items that could potentially be triggering those imbalances. So I'll usually have my patients focus on a very nutrient dense, whole food, anti-inflammatory diet. What I mean by that is paleo-ish. So protein, healthy fats, gluten-free Give us grains. specifics. Like, tell Absolutely. us what a, a grocery list would look like. Name the types yes. of vegetables, name 100%. everything. So I'll actually give you a list after this, too, and you can oh, totally great. post it. Okay. But what I do is, so proteins. I am okay with animal proteins, 100%. I know a lot of people, you know, that may be controversial, right. but I think the amino acids and the bioavailability of nutrients and <laughs> animal proteins, like steak, lamb, um, chicken, turkey, uh, all of these things can be healthy for someone, especially if they're able to break it down. And we can talk about how specifically to break down food later. But. Right. And I know there's some controversy, too, about how much red meat is too much. Yep. So some people require more. Um, but you're OK. So meats you're OK with. What about what particular types of um, vegetables that you say we should always have in our fridge? So I think, you know, it really depends from person to person. Some people need more. If some, I see a patient and they're more deficient. They're like low blood sugar, um, running low on hormones. I would be interested in checking out how they do with more starchier plant starches, like start your carbs. So sweet potatoes, yucca, um, things of that nature that are a little bit more substance. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something we would maybe look into. I think things like, you know, cruciferous vegetables for the right people. And it's very interesting. Not everyone does well with like every vegetable or every food. You don't think we should all, everyone says, you know, always have a green on your plate. I mean, should we do that or is it not for everyone? I don't think 
think it's for everyone. Interesting. And okay. I actually, and we'll get here, I'm sure, but I actually find that the things that really move the needle and impact health and drive health forward seem to be what we don't eat. If we eliminate what is not working for our body, like potentially gluten, like potentially dairy, like potentially coffee, most of my patients actually do well with coffee, um, but in moderation, you know, um, but some people, you know, have issues with alcohol, which, you know, can mess with blood sugar, depending on what's in the alcohol. Are we keeping it simple? You know, some people do well with like certain types, all of that. Um, but there is a, and we can go over this too, um, a very specific process I bring my patients through where we eliminate everything we could um, think of that could potentially be causing this inflammatory response. And then we set the stage clear. We get a baseline where they're eating pretty much like foods that really work traditionally with people's bodies in terms of that ancestral perspective. We bring those foods in and we eliminate the foods that don't work. And then we kind of bring in every three days a new food that they may be interested in eating. So a lot of people actually that have issues with gluten also have issues with dairy and now there's so many different alternatives not you know which is yeah. the great part of living in modern diet right what what's your uh, preferred milk alternative or do you drink say regular cow's milk so i personally really go i don't eat gluten and dairy in my mm. diet typically now everybody has a different cadence rhythm balance some people can even tolerate it well if they take a digestive enzyme right um and i have specific recommendations for that too of things to look for uh but I think the most important thing is how can we make this realistic for people? For example, I may need to be on like a 95-5 diet, right? Where my 5% is more along the lines of like, you know, maybe I have something with like five grams of natural sugar and that's my 5%. um, Whereas other people can do really well on like an 80-20 diet. Mm -hmm. I find for my patients, because they're, you know, they're they're typically more challenged with health issues, 80-20 is, doesn't, like there can be issues with that. I try to kind of lean them more towards 90, 10. You mean, you mean good versus bad foods exactly. or, or versus troublesome foods. Yep. I guess I hate to use that word bad. So what, so you're saying as far as our options between oat milk, almond milk, like you're not standing by one for, it just is depend, exactly. depends on the person. So alternative milks, I'm actually loving um, macadamia nut milk right now. It's del- kind of delicious. I think the major thing is keep it simple. Those one ingredient milk. So mm-hmm. almond milk, you know, one ingredient almonds, and right. water, you know, you know, you hear all the bad press though about the pesticides and the mm-hmm. almonds, the milk. And so every time mm-hmm. I feel like I move on to a great alternative for regular milk, I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's something horribly wrong with this one too. First it was soy milk and now everybody hates soy. Yep. And then it was almond milk. So I'm moving on to oat milk. I'm trying that. I actually, oh, do you like it? I do. I like it in my coffee. Cool. I find that it adds like a good, it, it's a little thicker. So it's kind of like a creamer and it has a little sweetness that I like. Very Obviously, cool. I'm not a health expert, but I love that's that. my latest obsession. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Uh, wh- anything else? Like I, I want to know specifics from a grocery store perspective, mm-hmm. list things that we need to be doing. I know it's different for everybody, but there's got to be some basics that you think people need to pick up. How do you feel about eggs? Let me just start there specifically. I know it's a dairy, Mm -hmm. but um, is this a good or a bad food on the whole for most of your patients? I think typically people do really, really well with eggs. Okay. I personally don't, a lot of people who have thyroid issues can, can, have a you know a problem with eggs so we just test we all we do want to do is take it out for those 28 days and bring it back in and see what those reactions are when we eliminate and bring it back in let's like let the body talk and see what those symptoms relay so so i'm hearing you say really is an individual process we kind of Mm -hmm. always want like um 
general advice yeah. or we went, but but we really have to do do the work with the doctor to figure out what it is our triggers are and our issues are. There's I, really no other way except doing this the hard way, huh? You know like the gold, it all the gold standard. I mean, there are tests. There are tests yeah. that you can do. However, the tests have very mixed reviews and data, even by the best functional medicine mm-hmm. practitioners I've seen. They're like, hey, look, like you know, we have to do like 20 different tests to get sure. even one accurate reading. And then not only that, you have to have the patient eat the trigger foods beforehand. So the Mm. gold standard in functional medicine and typically in holistic medicine as like a whole is to basically go on an elimination diet. And I always kind of shift the frame and have my lean it towards like, hey, like to my patients, let's explore this experience. Because the beauty of it is, is when you take certain things out of your diet and you are feeling so much better, you're sleeping better, your mind is clearer, you know, you're functioning on a completely different level. When you bring something in, your body screams. You may have indigestion digestion, you may be exhausted, you know, you may not be able to sleep that night, anxiety could be through the roof, your thyroid could swell, all kinds of things could happen. So because the slate is so clean for that 28 days, when we bring something back, it's often typically very clear Mm -hmm. um, as to the effects. And that in and of itself, if we're present to notice those symptoms, it almost creates, um, it's like, why would we want to live like that? Yeah, when you learning experience, when you when you pare it down, it does make sense that you know, you want to remain feeling mm-hmm. that healthy and that great through the whole thing. You brought up autoimmune issues, autoimmune issues, which I feel like have been a buzz phrase lately mm-hmm. in all of our, um, you know, health circles. Women have always um, known what fibromyalgia is, kind of. That was like the early word for an autoimmune issue where you just generally feel like crap. Now, as you mentioned, there are more specific autoimmune issues that women are becoming aware of, the Hashimoto's, all of these things that Mm -hmm. in some cases I feel like people are self-diagnosing, but there's a lot of great information on the internet. Mm -hmm. All of this to ask you, are autoimmune issues a real thing and are how many iterations can this take? So I think there can be an autoimmune component to almost every single disease. And, you know, I shouldn't, you know, definitely check your sources. But um, I think in my practice, I find that regulating the immune system, really regulating the immune system involves the same things as regulating every other system of the body. So if there's a trigger food that your body just reacts to, it is not doing well with, then that's going to impact hormone levels. It's going to impact energy. It's going to impact your immune system, cognitive function, um, gut health, all of these different things because your body's screaming like, hey, this isn't a good fit Mm -hmm. for me. So what symptoms are we looking for then? I mean, people are eager to know if they are dealing with uh, an actual issue or if it's just a matter of not getting enough sleep for a few weeks. So how do you tell the difference between an actual autoimmune issue and just sort of daily exhaustion? So they're very closely related, so that's a tough question. But one of the things I notice with my autoimmune patients, when when maybe the primary root cause is autoimmune, a lot of times they'll have a lot of skin issues, a lot of digestive issues. Digestion is actually, I believe, 70% of the immune system is housed in the gut. So leaky gut is a big mm-hmm. phrase on the internet. Right. Is that real? That's a real thing. So I, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's absolutely, the gut can become porous if it's met with... Um, 
um, a food like a food that it's intolerant of. Mm-hmm. So if someone's really, really, you know, unable to digest dairy, which sometimes can be resolved by an enzyme, um, but they are definitely going to create a lot of inflammation in the gut, and it's going to create a really kind of like volatile ecosystem within the microbiome. So there's a, I mean, leaky gut is definitely a thing, and toxins can definitely enter into the bloodstream via the gut. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. There's so much science that's um, coming out lately about the importance of gut health and everybody is looking for the best probiotic. Um, Do you have a label or a brand that you recommend? And I'm eager to know how frequently we should be taking them. Mm -hmm. And if it matters if they're refrigerated, I mean like all of these things, because there's so many options and I want to know your specific recommendations. So I'm really obsessed with what's going to work, what's going to work, what's going to be effective for my patients. So I actually split supplementation into four separate categories. I think about core supplementation in terms of cumulative effect and I'll go into each of these categories, but core supplementation, I think is more like a longer term sort of supplementation where we would maybe be taking a multivitamin, a probiotic. Um, We would be looking at things to help to detox the body, maybe Mm -hmm. an enzyme, maybe you're eating so healthy, but you're having trouble breaking it down. And so maybe an enzyme becomes part of that core package. And any probiotics you like. So I really, a lot of times all, there's a lot that I like, and it kind of depends on what's showing up for people. Um, But I really, really like Garden of Life has one that's a women's, Mm -hmm. um, a women's probiotic and it's dry and they actually have it at Whole Foods and whatnot too. Okay. I'll definitely send you the link. Absolutely. And a good multi. um, I personally do the juice plus thing. I don't know if that's like whatever. I mean, everybody sort of falls into their own supplementation plan. But what do you like for a good basic multi for a woman? Absolutely. So the one that I hear, actually, this is interesting. So today I saw patients before I came in here and I had one patient come in and they said, look, I was off this uh, multivitamin for two weeks and I started taking it again and all my joint pain went away within two days and I couldn't believe it. It felt, you know, quite like a little bit magical. And then I had another patient come in today, which this is rare. This is People don't always rave about this multivitamin. Um, This is a today thing. Uh, But she was talking about how she, you know, the anxiety was like going through the roof. She took the multi again. Things calmed down. What I I have to know. What is this? Which one? I really (laughs) like Seeking Health's Optimal Prenatal. And this is overall. Like, so I I recommend different ones for different people. Seeking Health. But I love the profile of Seeking Health's Optimal Prenatal. And I use this as a multivitamin. I have a woman in her 60s that's been struggling with Parkinson's and she's on this prenatal and it's, it's such a good, uh, it's such a good part of her treatment plan. It's so cumulative. It's incredible. I, I I want to talk a little bit about Parkinson's. Can we, I want your specific tips on, on good supplementation for that. I know some people impacted by that disease. And since we're talking about it, let's Mm -hmm. like dive in. Um, I know that that's one of those diseases that people who, who get the diagnosis are told, well, there's really nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. It could be five years before you're bad. It could be 15 years. Yes. And it's frustrating Absolutely. for a patient who doesn't really, I know that each each disease or each issue sort of comes with a similar issue. You never mm-hmm. really quite know what's going to happen. But that one in particular, it seems very unsettling. So yeah. um, what, uh, holistically speaking, can, can those people do? So there's a lot. And I actually have my one Parkinson's patient. She, her neurologist um, loves what we're up to. And it's because, you know, 
it's interesting because I think if somebody's willing to change, they can change the course of, uh, and they may not be unlabeled in terms of with the diagnoses, but there's something that there's so much that they can do to shift on the spectrum from disease to health-based state. Yeah. So I see it as what if somebody's 48, if you think about kind of like a speedometer or something, right? Mm-hmm. And they're at 48%, meaning that they are regressing, they're stagnant. What if all we need to do is get that into a 51 percentile and it's literally moving the car and forward at that point where now the progression is leaned towards health. Mm -hmm. So this is how I think about all the cases that I work Interesting. with. And what did you give that Parkinson's patient in particular yep. that's worked? So she is now on a gluten and dairy-free diet. She is human. So when there's birthdays, she, uh, but you know, like let's say she has birthday cake or something, right? She really notices more slurred speech, more tremors, brain fog. Um, I mean, her gut is definitely, uh, it gets volatile and this is, or maybe there's constipation involved, right? So, so that's one of the things that we do. We also talk a lot about what's coming up mentally and emotionally. There's a lot of, um, for her in particular, there's a lot of like anxiety around the disease itself. A lot of anxiety can be fear of the future based. Of course, there's a physiological component, but the mental and emotional piece is obviously there's a lot of worry, a lot of fear of the future, a lot of like hypervigilance and that leads to control because we want to stay two steps ahead when we fear our current experience. And so we talk a lot about, okay, you know, uh, let's talk about the stress response. Let's see what you can do. Let's really get into that momentum of how can we move forward and f- have a focus on what we can do. And one of the things we can do, get on a gluten dairy free diet, you know, work with core supplementation. Um, she does really well with a lot of um, healthy, <laughs> healthy fats and proteins in her diet, low sugar. Um, so in terms of low sugar, when, what I think about is less than five grams, uh, ideally less than three, um, which is hard to a do. Not a day, but like per substance. Oh, so say, if you're gonna have like a bar to like cheat, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Of course, of um, course. Well, what's cool now is there's like all of these sweeteners, right? That are literally yeah. like less than one gram of sugar. You know what I found is interesting too when it comes to the taste of for, for sweet things. If you can get rid of your, you know, like curb your dessert intake mm-hmm. for like a week or so. Like for Lent, I always give up dessert. I stop. You just stop wanting it. Yes. Like I'm for the first time. I'm listen. I'm no health expert over here but I am proud of myself recently because I used to be the type of person that immediately wanted even just a taste of something sweet I'm not like a huge sweets person sugary things but I would like you know a square of dark chocolate and after Lent I just kind of kept the ball rolling and I'm like oh it's true it really is like a drug and once you slow the ball it can just not be something you crave anymore. I thought that was kind of cool. I love that. And I think, you know, that goes to an interesting point of like resistance to different things because a lot of times if, so right, if we were able to just choose choices, we would all make incredible choices Mm -hmm. and our lives would be so incredible. It would be like, if we simply chose choices, right? Like reached in, chose choices. Now the problem is, is that there's noise, there's resistance. Maybe our body is like on a string to sugar, right? Um, and so it kind of takes that like acknowledgement that this is a process. There may be a slight withdrawal period, which is, you know, Lent's a great time to have that the 40 days, 40 <laughs> nights, right? The whole um, fear of health thing will really <laughs> yeah. do it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's exactly. Really but like, <laughs> if you're able to say, okay, you know what, for the next three days, for the next, you know, week, 28 days, whatever it is, 
is for you, depending on what you're working through. Say, hey, this is going to be a little bit difficult, but I'm going to make this about more. I'm going to make this about discipline, moving through the resistance, getting my power to choose back to where choices just become easier. Taking something like sugar out can make your life like so much better. You wake up, you're not addicted. You're not like, you know, waiting for like the first sugar you you know, item for breakfast. Yeah. It, it just changes things. Let me ask you something about alcohol consumption. Yep. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for people to enjoy a glass of wine at the end of the day, especially if you're stressed out, mm-hmm. you got the kids running around, people like to kick back and relax. Um, what is alcohol doing in our bodies? I don't want to be like, uh, you know, try to be a PSA here, like don't drink. Yeah. But um, I can imagine that that eliminating or at least drastically cutting back would be a good thing for your health. So what exactly is all that alcohol doing in our system? So I think a lot, it can definitely affect liver health and it can of course affect the digestive system and virtually every single system in our body. Like going back to autoimmune diseases, if we think about the bloodstream, it literally runs through our entire body. So a lot of times like things that seem vague, like fibromyalgia really makes sense because it's, it's hello. Like there's a bloodstream component, you know, Um, our whole body is connected. So something like alcohol, when I'm thinking about, you know, tailoring a patient's diet, I'm really, really thinking about, you know, um, daily exposures. Like what are these people exposed to daily? So if somebody's having wine every single night and they take it out, yes, there may be a withdrawal period. However, you may feel so clear afterwards, but the only way to know and understand your relationship with alcohol is to go through that withdrawal period. Now, different people do well with different substances. So I have patients that honestly like thrive on tequila if it's a once or twice a week thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's, it can be very natural. There's actually health benefits to tequila. I, I love tequila, um, so I love to hear that. <laughs> and um, and with vodka, so most vodkas are grain-based, but a lot of people do well with Tito's. It's potato-based, um, and so they can often tolerate that, you know, in moderation, of course. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people do well with, like, certain wines. I actually, you know, I've never read any research on this, but I've really found in my practice that there's usually, like, red wine people and white wine people. Mm-hmm. And so I think... I think the major thing is just kind of like in moderation and exploring that relationship. If you're using anything to cope with, whether it's wine, whether it's television, you know, whether it's Instagram, whether it's, you know, exercise, if you're using it as a coping mechanism to avoid what's really going on inside, whatever that may be, whatever that may be, um, you know, there's going to be a checkpoint. So if, as long as you're aware of, okay, like what's going on here, I'm using this thing to relax. Sure. There are definitely other options. Then it's easier to kind of like choose just choices, have that awareness and have multiple options available. But in terms of alcohol consumption, it can definitely mess with neurological function. And of course, you know, um, really exacerbate health issues if it's a vulnerability and if it's a daily exposure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I want to talk about thyroid too. Yeah. Um, this is another issue we hear women talking mm-hmm. about so much. I know multiple people who have um, what thankfully currently are just benign growths on their thyroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, some others who have had thyroid cancer. Why is this such a prevalent issue in women? Absolutely. So this is one of those things that's actually really weird. So I work with a lot of thyroid cases. I mean, I would say about 80% of the 80... 85% of the women I work with have a thyroid issue component to it, whether it's autoimmunes, it's a little bit more silent, takes a little bit more testing to discover, Mm -hmm. or whether it's more hypothyroid, hyper, often they kind of overlap and there's like a swing that it's involved. Um, Now, I 
I am not necessarily sure the exact reason why they're so prevalent, but my guess would be the evolutionary mismatch, the thing that's causing anxiety, more autoimmune issues in general. I would say that in general, it can express itself as a thyroid issue as well from from my perspective. Now, if you talk to endocrinologists, they may have a totally different perspective. Um, But from my perspective, I think it's more about like your innate vulnerabilities and basically how, you know, the mismatch in terms of like, if you are eating a diet that is not working for your body, your body is going to scream and it can scream in any which way. Um, Now with, I'm working with the thyroid case, it's really kind of like a very similar protocol, especially in the first four months of our work together. How can we drive sleep, right? If we're driving sleep and you have high quality sleep, then basically like you're allowing your body, you're giving that patient a third of their life back. They're able to detox in their sleep. They're able to repair, to regenerate um, all of these incredible things that are be- are good for whole body health. You know, if you're able to exercise, you're sweating, you're, you know, you feel better about yourself, your mood, your stress response has now shifted. If you're looking at your symptoms as happening, okay, for you, okay, I can improve. What can I do here? You know, how can I shift things? Um, now your body and your thyroid isn't the enemy. It's more of just a signal kind of glaring and you can look at it um, and decide to kind of like learn from it from, from there. Have you ever seen patients' thyroid issues re- uh, reverse with just a holistic, say, change in diet and lifestyle approach? Oh, yes. Really? Okay. Can you give us specifics on that? I know that each case is going to be different, but I mean, what exactly were these people doing that reversed that course? This is so, you know, this is maybe annoying to the audience. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, But I literally, for thyroid cases, the first things I think about are let's eliminate gluten, let's eliminate dairy, um, you know, let's eliminate chemicals. Actually, with a lot of my thyroid patients, they're hypersensitive. And so they may have issues with even things like cleaning products, like environmental factors, perfumes. So, but, but that's a lot. So I start with diet, you know, and we really look at things that can trigger that kind of autoimmune component or that activity. But I'm also really interested in bringing things back that can support thyroid health. So things like a Brazil nut has Mm -hmm. an incredible amount of selenium, you know, um, things like, um, you know, that are bioavailable in vitamin D, like maybe like wild caught salmon. I mean, the sun, you can go outside right. too, yeah, but um, exactly. We are in Florida. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, but th- I notice that the elimination of certain food groups seems to me to be more important right. than exactly what people are eating. Because if you're eating a whole foods diet, meaning protein, healthy fat, vegetables, fruit, um, gluten-free, starchy carbs, functional sweeteners. What I mean by that is like whole food sweeteners. So like honey, um, maple syrup, stevia, monk fruit, coconut palm sugar, things of that nature. And then a lot of thyroid patients do seem to have issues with coffee. Um, Like what does it do? How does it manifest? So according to Dr. Gundry, he talks about coffee as a lectin. So it's based off of a bean and apparently certain lectins. Yes, I know all about this. Yes, yes, yes. Uh Uh-huh. People, I mean, he's great. Yeah, give us the the broad brushstrokes though because I remember having read about this, but I I want them to know. So lectins can be found in things like potatoes, legumes, different things. And basically the kind of idea behind it is that they were, they're a plant and they have defense mechanisms. They have a life too. They don't want to be eaten. And so basically certain lectins can cause a lot of similar effects that gluten can have in the body, um, which would lead to a lot of lethargy, a lot of immune activity. Now, I find that 
at least in my practice, I find that taking gluten and dairy out and taking chemicals out and like really, really processed fake foods out of someone's diet, I find that they're very liberated. Now, yes, there may be a little bit issues with the legume here and there, or maybe nuts and, you know, maybe like, you know, they have issues with peanuts or something like that. I mean, actually, a lot of people have issues with peanuts now. Um, But I find that they can typically navigate, even though they may not be in some optimal, perfect state of health all of the time with the other things. I find that the major problems that are creating regression and that disease state diet-wise can, at least in women in their 30s, can primarily be like that gluten, that dairy, chemicals, processed food, basically fake food that your body can't even relate to. Wow. You know? Yeah, this is just, I mean, it, it as you hear experts talk, you start to realize how all the pieces do fit together. And I know mm-hmm. by definition, that's the sort of mantra behind holistic health. Totally. So um, I just I just love that the whole idea behind this is to teach us to listen to our bodies. Yes. I think in medicine for so long, mm-hmm. the... Um, the sort of guiding directive was to treat the symptoms, then just go home and don't worry about it because mm-hmm. trust me, I'm a doctor. But women especially have always had their own unique set of health challenges yeah. that I think we felt for so long we weren't being heard. Mm-hmm. So this new approach, I'm just such a fan of what you're doing because it teaches us to listen to our bodies yeah. and it teaches us too that uh, while there are no perfect answers, we can continue this process. Yeah. And that having a relationship with a doctor like you and kind of going back and forth and working mm-hmm. on your plan together is an ongoing thing. So I just, I love this so much. Um, you mentioned uh, clean products. I'm a big fan of clean beauty, and I, I personally, like, I'm always testing out and sort of advocating for yep. the cleaner, safer options. That's so I have cool. to ask you if you have any. First of all, do you think clean beauty is important? And you don't have to say yes just because I do. I mean, um, but and if you do, what are some of the safer options that you like, say, for sun protection or for body lotions? That Absolutely. Kind of stuff? I actually so I was just um, on a video for LPGA and they had me do this whole thing on sunscreen. Oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> OK, so do, do you like the physical blockers or the chemical block? I'm a physical blocker person. But yes, I what saw do you that think? on your Instagram. Yeah. Yes, I, I like that. So much, but what do you think? <laughs> Don't let my my opinion influence you. So I truly think it's about what works for you. What works for you. I think redness in the skin is your body's sign of screaming, hey, protect me. Help me out, sister. Exactly. Yeah. And so as long as we're doing, you know, less harm and yeah. more good, I say, okay, I'm all for it. Now, of course, there are sunscreens that are, you know, better for our body. The EWG, I'm sure you've, yes, you know, heard the environment of- working group they're mm-hmm. incredible in terms of giving like people lists and advice I think physical blockers are incredible too I just think it's about what someone really will do and how they're going to incorporate it in their life and I really love and I know this is silly and probably very obvious but I really like what's realistic so whether I'm working with a patient on their diet or on sun protection or natural beauty or cleaning products I'm like look this is a no judgment zone. This is not about dogma. What will you truly do? And I will work with you from there because I want results. Absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. You have to, you have to give realistic, set realistic Mm -hmm. goals for yourself. That being said, are there any specific brands and they don't have to fall under one category, but what do you grab at Whole Foods when you go that you're like obsessed with lately? Absolutely. There's this one sunscreen. Why can't it come to mind right now? I'll send it to you. Um, (laughs) I'll include it in the show notes. It's a white bottle. It has like some yellow and blue on it, but um, it'll come to me. Um, But in terms of even 
even like natural beauty, like makeup and stuff, right? There's mm-hmm. a really cool brand now called Lawless. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of Lawless Beauty. Is yeah, it is it Lawless good? is incredible. I love it. I've okay. been using their whole, they have a whole The One palette and mm-hmm. all of these, uh, you know, different like setters and different things. I, I think it's fun. Um, but I also, you know, different people can tolerate different things. And actually I find that it's really based on someone's like unique skin composition in terms of what they can tolerate. So a mm-hmm. lot of people are obsessed with coconut oil, right? Ugh, not me, sister friend. Me either. <laughs> me either. <laughs> Makes my skin like a bubbling zone of like clogged pores. Yes. It is like not good. Yep. And there's a lot of like science behind that too, where different oils work well for different yes. people. Okay. But um, but I uh, I agree. You know, yeah. not coconut oil is not for everyone. Now, I olive would, oil I can rub on my skin all day, and that's maybe funny. because of Italian, mm-hmm. if we're like immediately compatible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. And and it is it, it, clean beauty is one of those worlds too, where you you can explore and experiment and yeah. you know figure out what works for you. But it is good to know that there are so many safe options out there. We're Absolutely. in a world where you really can pick anything. I think perfume is a big thing too. Actually, yes. I've I was been ask you about that, but I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. Do you think I conventional actually, perfume is a go or a no go? So it depends. I actually noticed for my thyroid or super sensitive patients that perfume is really hard on them, really really hard on them. And it's actually funny. When I was in high school, I had a Latin teacher who would not allow perfume to be sprayed in the classroom, but people would spray it as a joke. And I never understood. You know, that when I was not in cool high people. school, yes, it was not course. cool. High schoolers are just the worst. Her name right? is Miss Fiorentino. I love you. Um, <laughs> She's sorry you didn't do it. Though, I really sure. liked learning about Latin. Um, it was great. Um, I like that we had to read it. But um, but in general, you know, I, I could not relate because I obviously didn't have awareness of my body, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of health issues that I had uh, didn't know that different things could affect, you know, the entire system. Now, I do not wear normal perfume because I actually noticed, uh, you know, my thyroid begins to swell. I can notice like a puffiness right away. Um, actually, my cognitive function ch- like shifts a little bit. And I mean, I can still get by. I'm not going to like die or anything. Right. But different people have different, um, you know, amounts of I think that's so true. I remember, what was the perfume? It was so big when, when we were in high school, and I'm older than you, so I'm dating myself, but I feel like it was... It was like Ralph Lauren romance or something. Anyway, <laughs> everybody was spraying it at the mall. And people would... It wasn't romance. It was something else. Anyway, people, my friends would spray it, and I'd be like, it is giving me a debilitating headache. Like, I remember I remember just viscerally reacting wow. and being confused. Like, okay, maybe it was one time. But every time my friend would spray it, I was like... I can't be in the same room. So I know what you're talking about. And it was like a very specific area of the head every single time. So I know what you're saying is real. That's so interesting. And it's so cool. You had that much awareness at that age. Like now I, I actually am so excited about life right now because I found this uh, perfume called by Ellis Brooklyn. Um, Tell us. Okay. Tell us. We love details. Is that Sephora? I love, I use the combination of myth and sci-fi. And are they oils? They're actually, I have them actually with me. I'll show you afterwards. We'll um, link this stuff to you guys. So don't worry. But it smells so good. It smells like real perfume. Perfume and I'm all about, you know, I, I love like living in this world, right? Yes. Like I know I'm holistic, but I'm holistic because it's very helpful. Right. Um, but I love this world. Like I love perfume. I love makeup. I love, you know, um, like I, my body can tolerate coffee and wine, not every day by any means, right. but I'm very glad the gods have blessed me. Um, I'm happy to eliminate gluten and dairy if mm-hmm. I can keep my espresso in the oh, morning. I love it. I love it. Um, but I think in general, like I, you know, living in this world, world is cool and your community 
online obviously most likely loves to live in this world as well and different things like Alice Brooklyn Annie Lawless Lawless Beauty like these things that are coming out are just so exciting because it's people who are making these high quality beautiful products that really work for health as well Mm -hmm. you know yeah and I think I'm a big believer too in the fact that a lot of these products especially over time we're women who are you know using what is it the average was 15 personal care products today or something crazy Mm -hmm. so are you a believer that the bioaccumulation thing is real that all of this is like collecting in our system I mean are we really really absorbing entirely the stuff that we're putting on going into our system so this is why I love like um, building up resourcefulness and eliminating toxicants and and so what I kind of see so in functional medicine there's this analogy where there's a cup um, and basically it, the bigger the cup is the more resourcefulness we have so we come in depending on genetics depending on you know the amount of I bumped, <laughs> I bumped my microphone I'm sorry <laughs> start that sentence again we come in <laughs> we come in like based on our genetics based on you know the amount of nutrients the amount of good things we're bringing in this cup becomes more expansive, right? Where there's more capability to hold the toxins in our world. Now there's also toxic exposure, right? So we can, like, it can actually begin to fill this cup. So if the cup becomes too narrow and the toxins become too large where it's filling up this cup, they will begin to express themselves. So in my practice, I see my job as eliminating toxins, but also building resourcefulness. So both and, not either or, both and, where we're literally building in resourcefulness through health nutrients, you know, regulating stress response, maybe even bringing in specifically supplementation to help with detox, specifically optimizing sleep, these things that bring more resilience and capability Mm -hmm. to the system, but also eliminating the things that don't work. So Yes, I do think in this world, I mean, we're clearly inundated with more toxins than ever before, but we also have more of a capability to, to understand and to work with them than ever before. Mm-hmm. And so it's more about just finding like your cadence, your balance, your rhythm, what literally works for you and how you can keep yourself in a state of health in terms of reality, because there's not like an avoidance of mm-hmm. everything and everyone, unless you want to go like live on some mountaintop in Tibet, which is fine if you do, if you, but, if um, you get there that's great but we live in Orlando right yeah. now so <laughs> um I want to ask you this too I have a lot of um, readers and listeners who are moms and new moms mm-hmm. in particular what um supplements or nutrients do you uh notice that new moms might be deficient in yeah. and how can they supplement to get back any I know it's obviously individual but any specific mm-hmm. things that you see that are sort of traditionally a little bit wonky after giving birth yes absolutely so we want to build blood right we definitely want to build blood we want to build hormones we want to bring in raw material raw foundations I love and this may sound a little bit weird and it's definitely not for everyone um, however I really love that multivitamin I was talking about seeking health's optimal mm-hmm. prenatal I think it's incredible one of the reasons I love it is because of the profile because it's very rich in fat soluble vitamins like D like E um, it's very rich in um, in B vitamins so it has like folate um, different you know a full array of B vitamins that are absolutely building um, for health for neurotransmitter production, um, for detoxification, all of these different things. We want to build moms up. Something else that a lot of people really like, um, a more natural form of a multivitamin, is desiccated grass-fed beef liver, um, which is kind of strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of weird. But a lot of people do really well because it's kind of like a blood builder. Sure. I love the idea behind it. But how do we eat this? Do we blend it? Does it capsule? Capsule. Capsules. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I'm imagining a really gross smoothie right now Uh, okay have you ever tried liver before I haven't I mean I'm not like scared of many foods traditionally (laughs) it's just not something that I would ever 
if it were placed in front of me, I would probably take a little nibble or two. But I like it, tried it once, and I, I was just, not for me. Capsules all the way. Yeah. I, okay. So will you get the same benefit then from encapsulation as you would? I think so. Okay. And what I love, and actually, I heard Doctor Mustak talking about it on your podcast, but I love dosing. I love knowing exactly what my patients are taking. Yeah. I love the cumulative effect. I love under the understanding of you know how we can you know work with you know what happens if we add you know a little bit more a little bit less let's bring this through a very systematic organized process so we Mm -hmm. can understand what works for you knowing that this can change in a month or two it can change in a couple of days but let's understand and work on this together so that my patients are empowered to you know not have necessarily that complete reliance on me they understand how to do this for themselves Mm -hmm. with other supplements as well and what they're looking for you know what are your thoughts on um hormone i don't know if this is the right term but hormone Mm -hmm. supplementation or use of progesterone through creams or supplements um there has been some like conflicting press on whether or not Mm -hmm. that's healthy for women who are seeking to balance their hormones what is your thought on that so i like you know i kind of mentioned before hormones are more downstream and, and from my perspective now since it's it's like so i kind of see like hormone therapy as something that's you know, it's kind of like it can be a Band-Aid, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and so, for example, if you place a Band-Aid on your body, that will help heal the wound. But for example, if there's a wound on the bottom of your foot and you are keep st- and there's a nail in it, mm-hmm. right? That wound is never going to heal unless the nail is removed. So you can, so, you can look at it almost like as a stopgap, but you're for some patients you're saying, and I know that you don't want to get too, too specific and I don't want to like kind of mm-hmm, pin you down, but, but this is something that can be a good sort of short-term solution for some people. Have you seen, let me ask you it this way then, have you seen in your patients or heard of other patients who have um, made holistic changes to their diet and lifestyle that have effectively changed the issue and they were able to get off of that, those hormone creams or, or supplements. Absolutely. And that's what I get most excited about because, you know, I think that everyone can work together in collaboration with progesterone in particular. Nobody wants to be on a substance forever, you know, at least my patients. Well, so, so what do we eat then? And and what do we, I know, again, it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I want to keep saying this because, you know, is is an expert as she is, (laughs) you always guys, of course, have to talk to your own doctor, but um, I want to know specifics as to what would um, boost progesterone or what diet or lifestyle changes we could make that could address that holistically. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the major things is a lot of people are probably eating relatively healthy, meaning like healthy amounts of protein, fats, fats, avocado, olive oils, um, ghee is like a clarified butter. People love ghee, right? It's incredible. It never burns. It's (laughs) like what I cook everything in now because it's delicious. It's delicious. And it like the, the, there's like, you don't get brown yucky stuff in your pan. Yeah. So thanks. <laughs> exactly. It's very simple. Um, but it, so healthy, really healthy, like proteins and fats, things are really nutrient dense. And, and that rich. will help with the hormones. That can very much help. Now, I would say, you know, like I've kind of mentioned and alluded to, I would say this is wild. When I have eliminated gluten and dairy above bringing in more nutrients through like healthy fats, proteins, I see a lot of my patients' body re-regulate themselves faster than adding in anything. Girl, you are killing me because like this is the one solution we keep coming back to and I'm making it's really carbonara for, for a lot dinner of people. tonight. <laughs> 
pasta is like addiction is real. But that is so encouraging to hear that maybe there is one thing, one change we can yep. make that can address so many of our issues. It does sound like gluten is a bad guy. Well, the other piece of, so there's a couple of other pieces to that kind of like dietary puzzle when it comes to hormones like progesterone. One would definitely be, okay, like maybe you're eating healthy, but you're not necessarily breaking it all down very properly. So if maybe you are eating healthy, but you're not breaking it down. So how can we break it down more efficiently? A lot of times the digestive enzyme can be really helpful for people. I really like now super enzymes. Mm -hmm. Um, It has like HCL pepsin, oxbell, which I know is a little weird, but it's helpful. Um, And I'll send you like a full list of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find that that helps, you know, people to digest those nutrients and for the body to utilize them in a Mm -hmm. different way, because very few people are sitting down, you know, uh, saying a prayer before they eat and, you know, having a lot of mindfulness. Typically people like, you know, they could be stressed while they're eating. They could be like working while they're eating all kinds of things. So, you know, regardless, you know, the, obviously like the gold standard is to chew your food, like shift your body into a parasympathetic place, meaning relaxed, calm and connected versus fight, flight, freeze, sympathetic. Right. Um, gobble, gobble, gobble. Is that exactly. <laughs> like I do it mealtime. <laughs> exactly. Like, taste your food, yeah, 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 um, right. chew it a lot and take your time. Um, obviously that's a really, well, all really great things to do. Um, and important to kind of like slow down at that time as well, just so you, you can kind of like honor that relationship with your body. Um, but yeah, that, those would be helpful. And now with gluten too, you know, I find that there's so anything that we would love to have a gluten version of, there's so many alternatives now. Mm. Like I have my patients that are obsessed with these, these paleo pancakes. They're like $4 at Whole Foods. They're birch benders. They're high in protein. Um, they're delicious. Actually, they're actually really good. They have zero there. I think they have less than one gram of sugar. I would almost say zero, um, but they're satiating. They're delicious. Um, you know, there's obviously like gluten-free breads. Now there's pastas that l- taste amazing. Like there's the gluten-free um, ones. I literally just bought my first gluten-free cool. pasta today. I I have a, 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 I really, a lot of people like Andrian's Dream. It's like a quinoa-based pasta. Okay. Um, but it tastes all real. of these recommendations yes. for you guys, by the way. I'm <laughs> jotting it down. The quinoa pasta. This so is don't literally, you worry. Um, I'm like there for I, my patients in the no. grocery store and for nervous breakdowns. Girl, so. you are the best. I love this. And we've gone through so many specific things. That's what I wanted to get out of this was, you know, your specific recommendations, things you, you've mm-hmm. seen luck with and things that yeah. you've seen your patients have progress with because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Everyone's health experience is obviously going to be different but to know that you've had success repeatedly with certain types of options is just good to know um okay i feel like i could talk to you for hours but i (laughs) want to wrap up with one final question which is what would you tell someone considering uh seeking holistic treatment versus traditional the types of benefits that come along with it and why we need to consider it absolutely so i would say you know both and right like get a great gp a great conventional doctor and i think holistic just amplifies that it's the foundation so for example if you're not sleeping well if your landscape is off meaning fundamentals diet lifestyle mindset if if anything there is off it's going to compete with conventional treatment and it's always going to interfere with your health. So I think, you know, having both and is a really effective strategy for long-term care and just getting, you know, acquainted with someone who can work with you on these fundamentals. Because if you think about it, it's an investment in the bank day in and day out. But we want a conventional doctor that's really great too, in case there is an emergency or in case something more acute is coming up or in case we need medication for something specifically. But at the same time, we no longer have to rely on, um, 
conventional care as much for long-term chronic issues. There's so much that we can do in terms of, of choice. And the last thing I'll say is there's a whole field of epigenetics emerging, which is really interesting. And the CDC has come out and said that it's um, 90 at least, at the very least, and it's actually looking like more, 90% of the way our health expresses itself is um, through our choices, through the environment that we live in, through the choices that we're making. So there is, so if, if that is true and if at the very least we have 90% that means that we can take full ownership and we no longer have to necessarily be victims to our genes and to circumstance and we can put us in the state of being able to actually be proactive and, and move forward and kind of like own our health that must be why you love what you do so much I do because my patients are ready for change but it's also I, I meet them where they are so it's not like this overwhelming process it's like let's just get some energy back and allow this to unfold let's Let's go where there's least resistance and allow this to reverberate into every aspect of your entire experience and through your choices. So I love it. You have filled me with a lot of hope and also a lot of ideas for change. <laughs> I sadly am going to have to say goodbye to gluten after this conversation <laughs> now. Um, Dr. Brooke Stewart, thank you so much. Tell us where we can find you on all of the social channels and online as well. Thank you so much for having me, Sunny. I truly appreciate it. And I am on Instagram at Dr. Brooke Stewart at D-R-B-R-O-O-K-E-S-T-U-A-R-T. And then my website is drbrookstewart.com. And feel free to reach out with any questions. I'm happy to answer. I love you guys. So. You are the best. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you. Guys, how amazing was that interview? I feel like um, I just could have had a pen and paper out taking notes the whole time. Like I said, luckily for all of us, um, I had Dr. Stewart uh, send us information on the specific products that she mentioned. So again, check out SunnyAbata.com, click the podcast tab, and I will have all of those goodies for you there. Um, I personally walked away from this interview feeling so much more empowered about my health and its trajectory. I hope that you got the same takeaways from it as I did. Um, you heard Dr. Stewart mention this, but if you have any questions for her, if you want to, um, you know, engage with her in any way on social media, do give her a follow. Again, she is at Dr. Brooke Stewart. That's S-T-U-A-R-T on Instagram. And that's her website as well. Check her out, send her a message, make sure you follow her. And um, yeah, and I would appreciate too, if you guys had you know, an extra minute or two of your time, you might be able to leave a rating or review. That would mean so much to me because that helps us to get this information out to people who might need it or enjoy it. I would be ever so grateful. And while you're there, click subscribe. You will get new episodes right to your device without even having to do a single thing. How great is that? What in life comes that easy? Nothing, my friends, except subscribing to a podcast. Anyhow, thank you again for listening. Check out Dr. Brooke Stewart on Instagram and follow me at Sunny Avada. And I will see you guys soon with another episode. Thank you so much for listening to 30 something.